thing I didn't get was the one person who said, oh, God, Sterling's going to fill vampire survivors with a Reddit humour. I'm not Anthony Birch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, and I don't, I don't necessarily read that as a as a burn to Anthony Birch, but that's what they're referencing. Whenever you say Reddit humor in games, you're talking about Borderlands Two. Mm. I detest Reddit. Like, I, 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 Reddit hates me. There's not going to be Reddit humor. Ah. Uh. Sorry, you've gotten me thinking about Anthony Birch and my one Anthony Birch story. Yeah, you've gotten me thinking about multiple Anthony Birch stories, and it's the wrong venue. I mean, the the one I can probably say here, because this this is the one that I always think of when I think of Anthony Birch. Uh, when I was just starting out doing this as a job and got invited to one of my first press events, it was for Borderlands 2's Tiny Tina's Assault and Dragons Keep DLC. And I went to a like press event in London. And, like, all big NDAs, it was, like, three weeks before we could actually say what we'd seen. And I'm like, okay, cool, I made all my notes, I've got, like, a three-hour coach journey home, I'll start writing it up when I get home. In in the time it took me to get home, Anthony Birch, from the event, had posted a selfie lying down on a sofa in which the name of the game was visible on a huge banner in <laughs> the background. Mm. I remember this. This was my first time having to, like... Having to go, am I am I allowed to acknowledge this? Because, like, every website's talking about it, and I have signed paperwork that says I'm not allowed to, but it feels really stupid I wouldn't be allowed to talk about it, because it's right there. And now I know, like, oh yeah, if it's publicly out, fucking say whatever, but... Oh god, yeah. Yeah, so that 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 that's my my one time I was in the building with Anthony Birch. Oh. was like, ah, oh, that was... Thanks, thanks for that, thanks for... Thanks for getting ahead of, ahead of that. That's a story about being in a building with Anthony Birch that's fit to publish. Mm. Moving on! Yeah. <laughs> Moving on! Um, right, yeah. I'm hard at work today, everyone. I'm hard at work. Hard at work. Yeah. I've written my first video game review in years. Yeah, I heard. I'm, it's exciting. This podcast will probably be up before that, because we're still sorting out. Because yeah. I've not published articles on the gymquisition.com in literally years. We're trying to mess around with the software to bring it all up to date. Uh, but yes, wrote a review for Dreamlight Valley. Ooh, that's going to be interesting. Very pleased with it. God, I need my own ADHD meds. Feeling productive is awesome. Uh, I am also deep, deep, deep. In that Vampire Survivors lore. Yeah, I've read some of what you've been working on and... Yeah, I've shown you some of my best year entries. I showed you my greatest achievement slash greatest crime. Oh no, there is nothing criminal about what you've done there. You did exactly what I hoped you would do and this is beautiful and everyone's in for a treat. Right, if, if the only thing that's remembered about me when I die is what I wrote about Milk Elementals... Then I'll die a happy MB. Look, it, look. In in this life, you don't want to be greedy. You only you, look. Having one mark on the world is enough. Like you know, for for me, it's I got to publish a physical book about video game character butts, and someone let me do that. If if I do nothing else, that's my one. Is ah the butt book. You've now got milk elementals, right? Yeah, this is going very well. I will expect, fingers crossed, uh, to have the full bestiary ready. Very soon, uh, for the game Vampire Survivors, uh, it's it's very exciting. It's just some of the most fun I've had writing in a while. It's brilliant. 
brilliant fun. Um, and I'm also really fucking ill still. Oh, no. I was a bit ill last week. I, did I mention it? I must have done, because I love feeling sorry for myself. You did. You, d- you did. Yeah. I, I mean... I'm not surprised you were ill and it's lingering. You've been doing nothing but travel, get beaten up, travel, get beaten up for a few weeks. And then while I was ill, I travelled and got beaten up. I went to Blackpool this weekend while, like, like, just, I felt like such shit. Like, I wanted to die. Luckily, I say luckily in quotes, Simon Miller cancelled because his car broke down, which sucks. Because I didn't get to fight Simon Miller. But, thank fuck, because I would not have been able to fight Simon Miller. I was able to do a tag match, and I tagged with Warhorse, who is like a a very big name in indie wrestling. And so, luckily, he was able to do most of the heavy lifting, while I spent most of the match quite literally on the floor, feeling sorry for myself. So that was good. And then tore my throat up because even though I had a bit of a sore throat, I insisted on doing my whole shit with the the microphone and the yelling and the screaming and the shouting. Now I've still got a sore throat because I tore it to pieces. It's better than it was. It's very uncomfortable. So if I sound a bit croaky, apologies, folks. And then for National Coming Out Day uh, or International Coming Out Day, I I came out as someone who uh, liked Red Faction Armageddon. So it's been a very stressful week. It's been a very big... Big week, personally and professionally for me. How is everyone else? I had some work stuff go on that was not as stressful as expected. Yeah! It's a pretty good week. I had a a few days where I was like, ah, I'm waiting for some work stuff to arrive. Will it be good? It was good. That's... that, that, That lets me be slightly more relaxed than usual. I'm having a good one. Excellent. How are you, comrade? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the the COVID is over in the house. I guess I'm getting married this weekend, so that's cool. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, like oh. uh, Saturday, I guess. When did this happen? When uh, When did this... Am I being a bad friend and missed something big? I know you've been getting married. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was supposed, it was supposed to be this past weekend. And then, um, yeah, we're, we had to move it up another week because... You know, COVID. The things, the massive fucking things you realize you've been missing when you're on ADHD medication. What the fuck? Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, it's good when brains are properly medicated, huh? It's fucking, it's good, but it's terrifying. Like, when you see what you've missed. What the fuck? When I first properly got medicated, it was such a, like, oh... Oh god, I've just I've just not been taking anything in for 30 years. Fuck. Uh. It's like when fucking Rowdy Roddy Piper puts the glasses on and they live, except instead <laughs> of seeing a sign saying obey, I'm seeing Conrad's getting fucking married this weekend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, thank, thank you. Congratulations. I mean, it's not, it's not a huge, you know, we're just signing the paperwork. Linda has a friend coming down from New York and, you know, and so, you know, we're just going to, Sign the paperwork so we can set it all back. And at some point, we will probably have some event. But, you know, getting the legal framework dealt with is kind of the priority. So, yeah, that's that's happening this weekend, hopefully. Assuming nobody else gets COVID. Well, I mean, what are the chances of that? On Earth. No, I'm... <laughs> yeah, COVID is over now. Conrad needs to have a wedding. COVID is finished. Yeah. That's right. It's done. Well, Joe Biden said it was the pandemic was over. So. I mean, I mean, if I mean, if Joe Biden said it, <laughs> right? 
He's not known for his malarkey. <laughs> I, you know what? Hmm. Sorry, I know we, I know we're going to talk about games. I just no, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to do an awkward segue. Go for it. <laughs> I'm just sick and tired of malarkey getting maligned. I'm pro malarkey. I'm gonna. Are that's you? another thing for that. I'm going to come out out of out with about controversial. Now. I. It is a. I understand that. I understand it can be a touchy subject. But I am in favour of malarkey, chicanery, and to a lesser extent, shenanigans. It depends on the shenags in question. But as far as malarkey goes, I I tell you what, in 2024, in the UK, I'm running for Prime Minister, and I'm going to run on a pro-malarkey platform. Oh, shit. My problem isn't malarkey, right? Like, malarkey is oh, just... here it comes. Malarkey's yeah, just yeah, a my, tool. I've not got a problem with malarkey. That, yeah, let's hear it. It's a tool that, that yeah, can be used for good or for ill, and it depends on who is holding the malarkey, right? Right. You, you look at powerful people in positions of great authority... And their deployment of malarkey in a, a harmful manner. And it, it's, that's what gives malarkey the bad name. If malarkey were allowed to remain harmless, what would be the issue? We've weaponized malarkey. That's the problem. Well, I mean, that's, that's the problem in, in our current political landscape, is everything gets weaponized, Conrad. Everything gets that's weaponized. Right. That's right. Malarkey, tomfoolery, other words... Hibbery jibbery. Hibbery jibbery. That's a great one. Oh. oh, that is a fucking great one. Uh, we we can move on now. I've heard of <laughs> jibbery today. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking made up. Rest of my day is going to go fantastic now. <laughs> oh. Who's played video games this week? Some of us probably. Yeah, I think we've all played some. A couple of us, I would hope. Yeah. You know what? I'm 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 going to jump in. I'm not going to ask who's who's got one to talk about. I'm just going to talk about one. Oh please. Very bold of you. Yeah. Uh, I played I played a little video game this week that I knew nothing about going in. Uh, a game called Hazelnut Hex. It is a really cute aesthetic side-scrolling bullet hell shooter. Mm. You play as a witch in a world where uh, all of the breakfast has been magically made vanish, and oh no, everyone's very upset and a bit hungry and getting a bit angry and mad because they don't have breakfast, and you got to go solve the mystery of the missing breakfast. Just so happens that you are a witch who is the mascot for a fictional breakfast cereal, Hazelnut Hex. <laughs> so you are firing, um, instead of bullets, you're firing breakfast cereal at enemies to make them not be hungry and upset so that you can, like, get your friends to calm down and go, like, hey, do you know anything about the missing about the missing breakfasts? So is it, like, parodying things like Chex Quest and, and stuff like that? It genuinely feels like a Chex Quest in that sense of, like, it feels like a, a a tie-in to a breakfast cereal that does not exist, but yeah. a legitimately well-made video game. Mm -hmm. It's got this really cute, like, pastel, uh, lots of pinks and purples aesthetic. Um, the 2D art in it is all really nice. It plays really responsively. It is a tough bullet hell shooter, but there's a... F like, I'm someone who fucking sucks at these as a genre. But there is some stuff in here that makes me go, you know what, I actually have fun with this, and I, I will come back and play it again. So it's fairly short. Um, It's maybe, like, five, like, levels that each have a couple of, like, mini-bosses and a big boss at the end. You can play through, in theory, in about half an hour. 
And if you want, you can play through with unlimited continues, so you can just keep hitting continue, and you won't, like, your high score will reset to zero, you know, when you use a continue, but you can just play through the whole thing, if you if you want, and do your best and whatever, which I really appreciate. The other thing I really appreciate about it is that it handles high scores at the end of a run in a really interesting way if you're using continues to see the end, because obviously your score is resetting to zero every time you run out of lives, your high score you get to input on, like, the score table at the end isn't necessarily the score you have when you beat the final boss. It will look at all the continues you used and go, this was the continue in which you got the highest score. This was the highest score you got out of one set of lives this run. You can, you can submit that score to the leaderboard. Which was really nice in that it encouraged me to go, yeah, no, I'll keep sticking with this, because if I get a good stretch of time you know, later down the run in which I managed to not die for a while, that that's good, I'm going to get credited for that, even if it's not at the end. It's funny, it's sweet, it's got some, like, it's got some, it, I genuinely had a good laugh at the, 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 the ending of it. It is a small little, it's a very small little adventure, but it is jam-packed with a very high density of enemies, like, unique enemies to fight that aren't just palette swaps of each other that have interesting variations on bullet patterns. Sometimes you can find a little squirrel in a bubble and the, the squirrel will help you fire cereal at your enemies. It's not much, but I had a really nice time with it. So like, if you like that sort of genre of game, or even if like, you, you dabble in it but like, yeah, I'm not great at them. It was a fun little half hour that I want to come back and play some more runs of because I had a really good time. So yeah, that's, that's Hazelnut Hex. Cool. What about you both? Either of you played anything? Uh, Steph's played more than I have, I think. Have I played more than you? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I played a lot of old games yeah. uh, this past week. Um, yeah, I uh, decided to take a little troll through the backwards compatibility section on the uh, Xbox Series X, uh, per se, and... Just went through some stuff that I've like, you know, haven't played for like ten, sometimes fifteen years, um, stuff like that. Chief among them, this was like at the height of me feeling fucking wretched and ill. Downloaded, started, and beat Condemned Criminal Origins in a day. Now that has been a particular thorn in my side as a uh, big horror game fan. Mm. I played it when it first came out in, like, what, the mid-2000s, something like that. Like, this was one of the early Xbox 360 games, if I recall correctly. And well, it, from that interesting era where, like, with some of these games, I'm seeing some really interesting partnerships. Like, this was a time when 2K Games uh, published uh, The Elder Scrolls. So, yes, Con Condemned Criminal Origins is a game I have started to play several times and played for about an hour and then stopped because it irritated the fucking shit out of me mostly because the combat system is a fucking nightmare it, ambitious well made but a nightmare um it's one of the earlier examples of first person melee combat uh, there are guns but like you don't keep guns, you just pick them up off the floor, uh, and there's like four or five bullets in there if you're lucky, and then you, you know, your only option then is to hold the gun by the barrel and hit people with it till it breaks. 
your bread and butter is like just picking up all the improvised weaponry around like there's pipes in the wall you can pull out and hit things with or you can find some bigger stuff like shovels and fire axes stuff like that the mood and the atmosphere of this game even today is pretty fucking impressive uh very inspired by stuff like saw silence of the lambs stuff like that it's got that real moody gritty we're looking for a serial killer atmosphere one of its big gimmicks was doing forensic stuff which was really just like holding a camera and looking through the lens to find something that glows a bit green like you had like a uv light and and stuff like that and that was neat enough but they were little more or less little scavenger hunt things but it's really the 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 Combat is very sort of hit and miss, literally. Uh, it's hard to do melee combat at the best of times in first person. Sure. And this is back before there was like, you know, nearly two decades of refinement. Like this was some rudimentary stuff. But that said, like impressive for the time. Like, you know, your general means of defense is parrying. Uh, the enemies will swing at you and you've got like a very short window to block. If you do that, you know, it staggers them a bit. You can hit them. It's really hard to do, though. It's so hard to time the hits correctly to do it, which is made even worse by the fact that the game is actually too clever for its own fucking good. And the enemies will faint regularly all the time. They'll constantly like lift their weapon up and then drop it again to trick you into blocking, uh, which is actually really fucking cool and really fucking annoying. <laughs> but but at the same time, like that ties into just how sort of scary it can be to fight the enemies because, yeah, they'll fake you out. They'll hide behind things. They'll try and get around you. Again, for the time, this was like 2005 and you've got AI that Many games today don't even try and sort of make that that clever. So you can be like jumped and, and really sort of scared by that. It's a slog to get through because it is fucking punishing and the checkpoints are not liberally uh, given out. They're, they're very um, staggered and there can be a lot of like having to go over stuff you've done before. Um, the last level especially is a fucking nightmare for that. There is, however, one major problem, even though I'm glad I played it this time and I'm really impressed with the atmosphere and even though the story is nonsensical gibberish, it's still interesting and when the combat does work, it is pretty cool. There is one major issue hmm. and that's the fact that this was made in 2005. That can be a big issue, yeah. Yes, as someone who, you know, also published works in 2005, mm -hmm. I will hold my hands up as, as you know, I, I understand and I do not judge the monolith productions of today by the monolith productions of 2005 that thought it was perfectly acceptable to make every single enemy in the game a homeless drug addict. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, like it's, it's fucking, it does nothing to alter your perception of that being the case. Mm. Like it makes reference to like, there's some spooky shit happening. Like, oh, some birds are dying. And in the sequel, there's like some sound that's being played that makes people flip out, which is sort of worse in a way, because now you're attacking these people who truly have been robbed of agency while still being homeless and drug addicts. But in the first game, like other characters will tell you, 
like this place is full of of addicts and squatters and it's a bad part of town and that's all the justification you need to start stoving their heads in with shovels and when they're on their underprivileged knees getting your choice one of four cool executions do you want to snap their neck do you want to smash their head on the floor do you want to punch them so hard they die do you want to knee them in the head, Conrad? Do you want to knee them in the head, Conrad? Is that what you want? Oh, can I? Can I knee them in the head? You can! Oh, boy. Welcome to the world of condemned criminal origins, where the criminals are indeed condemned by you. Uh, and what what makes this even worse is the serial killer character you're tracking down frames mm-hmm. you at the beginning for the murder of two cops. And you go on, pr- you, you, you go on a quest to, to prove your innocence. While murdering <laughs> dozens and dozens of homeless people. Oh dear. It's so troubling. It's yeah. so fucking troubling. It's troubling, but it's also like fascinating. Condemned is like a real snapshot of not just games, but like pop culture at the time. Like this was mid two thousands, and I saw a lot of it growing up in the nineties, where like quote unquote junkies were always presented as like less than human. They were aggressors. They were enemies. They were monstrous. Uh, you could do violence upon them guilt free, and you know while all of us have responsibility for the the media we've produced, there is also like an understanding that in some ways monolith is really just reflecting what was considered acceptable at the time yeah i'm sure to them there was nothing nasty in it i don't think they thought that much about it drug is bad that's what culture tells us they are acceptable enemies in a game i think that's probably i don't think anyone working on condemned at any point really thought to themselves oh, i fucking hate drug addicts and i'm going to make a game where you kill them no like it was just we need an enemy well Bad part of town, and and we had we had culturally successfully demonized drug use yes. for so long that so long it just made sense. Yeah, it's one of those things that doesn't feel malicious, but it feels like a really obvious oversight when you think about it. You know, once you're thinking about it, right? But nobody was thinking about it. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, like none of us like. Like, yeah, I don't even, I'm not even saying that in an accusatory manner towards no. the development team. None of you, no, nobody was thinking about this at the time. Well, that's not true. There were eight, there were pockets of people, there were communities that were aware, but we weren't also connected the way that we are now, even back then. Like, this is, that is true. pre-Twitter. Right. Not to say that Twitter is, you know, the the cultural town square that we all rely on to understand our world. But it's an example of how much sort of closer culturally everyone's gotten as we've sort of. Yeah. As, as the world digitally has shrunk yep. um, to the point where, you know, there's so much crossover and so much potential exposure to other experiences. Yeah. I didn't have Twitter in 2005. Nobody did. I got Twitter in like 2008. Um, you know, this was fucking what, MySpace and shit? Like it was all still, there was some social media, but it was all still very insular communities of people who all thought and spoke the same, um, which is one of the reasons why I was such a dickhead for so long. Mm, um, same. And speaking of which, I never questioned this when I played it back in 2005. The yeah. enemies were just, oh, scary homeless people. Um, you know, like negative stereotypes about drug abuse and and homelessness and shit like it 
yeah, I didn't think about that. I often bought into that kind of stuff. It was like when I played Battlefield Hardline a bit last year, we talked about that, where I never questioned the idea that it was pure propaganda, that I was just playing as a police officer because police officer equals good in media. Therefore, there's nothing to question here. Yeah, the, like the, the largest criticism that would be levied against is, that, well, this is lazy. We've seen thousands of these stories where you are a cop, big deal. Like that's as far yeah. as the criticism would have gone at that time. Yeah. So that is to say, I've not played Condemned 2 Bloodshot yet, but, you know, I'm conscious of the fact that the sequel didn't just say these people are on drugs and that's what makes them bad. That there is a an evil cult manipulating things and a signal that, oh, wait, what's the name of this enemy in the game, according to the wiki? Oh, it's Meth Monkey. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a shame. I, this is one of these things where, like, if they, I don't know if it's a game you could get away with remaking without, well, you, you probably could remake it, but it would come with a lot of discourse. There would be yeah. so mm. much discourse. Well, I'm not allowed to shoot a drug addict anymore. Wokery gone mad. Right? You couldn't get away with a sequel that did what these first two games did, where the enemy type, again, like you look at the, the fan wiki, and the enemies are, are addicts. Like, it's not just implied. The enemy name is addict. Like, Doom has the imp and the demon and, and you know, stuff like that. Like, that's the name of the enemy. It's addict. I mean, you, you say you couldn't get away with it today. Um, like, literally a year and a half ago, we had Yakuza Like a Dragon with an enemy class called Hungry Hungry Homeless. You couldn't get away with it in America. Um, it's <laughs> basically the... Well, yeah, like, in, in, a, in the current Western sphere of game development, I feel like they wouldn't do it. Not even from a point of getting away with it. You'd probably have someone in the room go, should we be doing this? Exactly. Yeah, I, th I think it wouldn't just be a case of obligation. I think if there was a Condemned 3, they would take it upon themselves without even any pressure to be like, like well, certainly not external pressure, but like people within would be like, shit, we've got a wreck on this. Yeah. Like, I feel like uh, a Condemned 3, if it ever happens, and you know what? I would love to actually see that. Um, but it would it would retcon it. That's not even me saying, like, they should retcon it. Mm. They would. As a fact, I know factually they definitely would do it because they wouldn't want the baggage of, of what those first two games are saying. But yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's a fascinating game. Like, if you want to talk about it just from its mechanical standpoint and the atmosphere and the horror and the, the combat system, like, it is a frustrating but very well-made game. And then, you know, you could write an entire essay on the 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 rest of it, um, the, the theme and that. So, yeah, yeah, I had a fascinating time playing Condemned. Oh. <coughs> Next snap was my most uh, used finisher, for anyone interested. <laughs> All right. Um, well, speaking of criming, yeah, I guess um, I uh, I played a way out. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. This came out twenty eighteen. This is a co op game where you are 
playing as a pair of prisoners at a prison who are escaping and then getting revenge against the, you know, person who put you both there, I guess. And I'll talk about the game itself in a moment. Uh, but there's a story surrounding the game that I think is kind of interesting. Oh, oh, I caught you talking about this on stream. Yeah, so this game is uh, available on Game Pass, which is cool, because I like games that are available on Game Pass, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the thing is, it is available on Game Pass through EA Play in a partnership which requires you to use the EA launcher to launch these EA titles. Okay, sure, that's fine. But, see, if you want to use the EA launcher, you have to link it to your Xbox Live Gamer tag. And your Xbox Live Gamer tag, I have learned now, uh, can only ever be linked to one EA account ever. Oh. And you would require then the email address and password for the EA account that was created and linked at some point to do anything with it. And so let's say hypothetically, you were working in Games Press around the time Origin came out. Yeah. And you knew in your heart of hearts you were never going to use Origin for anything practical. You didn't want any sort of personal data to get shared with them. God, mem memories of trying to review Crisis 3 here. <sighs> yeah. So, so you, you, might, you might use a professional email address that you've established with a publication that you're working for. Oh, you might have done. You might have done that. Yeah. And then you might have forgotten whatever fucking password you put into that, uh, lost years and years and years ago. And would then be, like, in somehow, some way dependent on getting access to the people responsible for managing the email server at a company that has undergone a acquisition some five prior years. <laughs> Conrad, as someone who had to do this when a... When a website I maybe used to hypothetically write for stopped existing. Oh. Like, the, the the website just stopped existing entirely, and I'd similarly used their email, like, their email as a work email, because I didn't want to put my personal email into places. I understand your pain. Well, I mean, here's the thing. At the end of the day, this is video games. Right? So this isn't like I've got some major stakes tied up in it. That's free video games tied up in it. There's video yeah. games that you've paid for and should have. Well, I should have access to because I'm paying for a service that yeah. ostensibly should be providing me access to it. But there's always crime. <laughs> there's always crime. There is always crime. And crime works. Crime. You know what? I spent three hours figuring out what the pro- No, that's not true. I probably spent about- an hour figuring out what was wrong with this EA thing and trying to track down a means to fix it. And then I spent 10 minutes on the internet getting the game. Something's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something's wrong here, people. Sometimes it's easier to not go through official channels and that 
that's going to push people away from official channels when it's easier to not use them. As a game, A Way Out, I think, is very cool. I, I really dug it when it came yeah. out. Like, I... I, I played through it in co-op in basically a single sitting, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah, we got, I think, we're pretty close to the end, because we've made it out of the prison. We've escaped prison. So I think there's just probably a stretch or two left to go. Um, and, yeah, the pacing is interesting. Hmm. Um, I think for accessibility's sake, they kept everything as simplistic as possible to allow someone who might be less familiar with video games to participate. Um, this does mean that most things are reduced to quick time events. And, you know, if you're not into that, I can understand being bored by it. But I thought the writing was was good. The, um, yeah. the general uh level layout stage layout was was done well the ui was uh present but not obtrusive i like the little dynamic camera stuff that it does when it needs to place more emphasis on the actions of one player versus another without eliminating the interactivity of the second player i think all of that's really cool and really well executed yeah i like this game um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing that last bit. It's interesting because it is less gamey, less action focused than It Takes Two, mm. which is the, you know, next game that this development studio did. Um, but this is much more playable for me. I'm just enjoying it more. So, mm -hmm. yeah, A Way Out's pretty good. I'm, I'm gonna hesitate, I'm gonna resist saying too much until you've finished it. Mm-hmm. I really dig the game. Yeah. I think the most interesting stuff it does, I don't think you will have gotten to yet. Oh, okay. It makes some bold choices that I think are really interesting for this kind of game. Well, I look forward to that. I, I'm curious to hear what you think when you finish it, because if you're enjoying it now, yeah, I think you will enjoy where it's going. Nice. Well, what about you? What have you played? I played a little bit of the Switch port of Nier Automata that's just come out. Not not a huge amount about that to say, other than impressively good port. Excellent. It is basically everything I remember the original release of that game being. Is there anything outside of it just being on the Switch to justify? Because I want to replay Nier Automata. It's been too long. Other than it being this is a nice portable version with a, a stable frame rate that looks about as good as it did on the PS4 and Xbox One, it's called End of the Yorha Edition, and I think... I'm like, is there any DLC or anything that released for... Did that game get any DLC? Because that ma name makes it sound like it comes with any DLC that that might have had. I mean, there's there's motion controls in theory as an option if you want to shake your controller rather than press Y to do a heavy attack. Oh. That's an option that you have that I don't anticipate anyone using. Yeah, it includes the... 3C3C1D1194409270 DLC. Okay. So that's that it, it contains that. Look, it, it's just it's it's just near automata and like here's the thing. It runs better than I expected. Um the original game sort of fluctuated on PS4 and Xbox somewhere between f 35 to 50 FPS and it was a little inconsistent in that range. This is at 30, but it's locked, and honestly, I feel like that 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 is more to its credit. 
It looks as good as it used to. This is if you just want to play in a handheld form factor, this is a surprisingly good port of of uh, last gen game. There it is. I started playing a game called Neurodeck that is I I picked it up because it's one of those games that was on the Switch eShop that was on sale for like less than less than a, a dollar or less than a pound, and I was like, okay, cool, I'll give it a look. Neurodeck is a Deck building roguelike about confronting phobias in a therapy VR headset. Okay. Yeah. So the general idea, and like, it is clearly a budget project made by a team that was working on a shoestring, it feels like, um, in that it's rough around the edges, it does not explain its own mechanics well, and like, it just sort of throws you in without much explanation, but the general gist is... You will pick from a couple of phobias to to progress through that will be essentially monsters with health bars to fight by doing roguelike deck building mechanics. And you will have decks of cards that will be built up of things like uh, junk food, which might um, recover some of your stamina and uh, mood but you know isn't isn't helping you to defeat the phobia because you know it's it's just keeping you going and not doing anything about the phobia you might have a stress ball that is you working through the phobia and that's going to deal some damage to the enemy and you have like a set number of of actions you can do from your hand per turn before the enemy phobia attacks you one thing i like about this mechanically um, you know how many actions you've got before the enemy's going to attack, and you know exactly how much damage of what kinds of meters the enemy is going to do on its turn. Okay. You are told up front what kind of damage and what amount of damage the enemy is going to do, which makes for really interesting strategizing around knowing what what you're what you're coming up against and what you can get away with. Right. I mechanically enjoy that. Between encounters you will you know pick new cards do little personality quizzes that will determine oh well we we've determined your personality is like this so get this kind of buff lots of interesting ideas it plays fast and loose with its understanding of how you uh deal with trauma and phobias healthily Mm. a lot of it's like card mechanics the implications of if you were to take your mental health advice from what this game's cards suggest are healthy ways to deal with trauma, probably not a smart idea. Mm. Also, some of the enemy depictions of phobias are genuinely kind of terrifying, and like very, very a lot of artistic talent went into them. I'm I'm gonna very lightly mention one of them here. One of them, I forget what the official name of it is, but it's the. F- Phobia of having a baby growing inside of you. Ooh. And the sort of parasitic feeling around that. And having a boss fight with a silhouette of a person with a pregnant belly with like a like a monstrous form of a baby trying to get out of it, and the the person who's got the baby clearly being like, No, I do not want this thing growing in me. Almost like an aliens-esque the chest burster's gonna burst. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to just sort of throw at the... Because, pl- like, not all of them are that intensely depicted, but it's mm-hmm. it's a lot to sometimes throw out there. It is a deeply interesting game that I can't easily recommend 
but there are some genuinely interesting deck building mechanics and some clear artistic talent on depiction of phobia in a game that does not understand how you treat mental health. Hmm. It's a weird curiosity. I don't know if I would recommend people check it out, but I have spent more money and had less interesting thoughts about other games. So that's Neurodeck. I want to put more time into it. I'm really... I'm fascinated by this weird little mess of a game. Hmm. Uh, what about you, Steph? What have you been playing? Uh, so yeah, carrying on with the um, older games, what I've been playing. Mm-hmm. This one was on Game Pass. I was bored, and so I downloaded New Vegas. Uh, playing that for the first time in God, a long, long time now. It's still New Vegas. It sure is. And you know what that means? Uh, you bounced off of it after about six hours? Oh, no, I was going to say it was good. Oh, I mean, it is good. Oh. I was going to say I really liked it. Oh, okay. I mean, you should. Uh, it, it's a good game. No, no. no I should have stopped playing, apparently. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my experience with well, that's sort no, of my I totally experience understand with New it. Vegas. Like, I love New Vegas uh, and enjoyed it a lot the first time I played it. But on revisit, especially now, as so many years have passed, and there are so many really good mods for it that I wind up, I I will spend eight to twelve hours modding New Vegas. And then by the time I'm done and ready to launch, I, like, make it through the tutorial. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> like, I'm just like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm good. No, no, no. I, I, It's one of them games. There are many games that are really, really good. But when I hear someone, like, just got exhausted, burned out on it and bounced, like, it's nothing I can say but fair enough. Right. Um, It certainly held my attention, especially this week where I've been, like, um, in between trying to like really knuckle down on work when I've not been doing that, I've really needed some distraction just because I've had a lot of anxiety shit happening. And that's been really good for that because mm. you can just sit down and just like be absorbed by it. Yeah, it's it's been fun and nostalgic playing it again. I um, still really like its writing and its world building. I really like the um, the 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 way they improved the idea of karma and all of that because mm-hmm. they had that karma meter but it didn't quite matter and what was more important was the fact that every single organization in the game had their own affability meter uh, as to whether or not like you pissed them off or they liked you uh, and that was good so like every settlement every major faction you could have you know you could be absolutely hated by one group which is you know, always going to be the Legion, obviously. Right. And then absolutely loved um, by one group, which is obviously the casino full of cannibals, obviously. Obviously. Um, obviously. And that's cool. Although there is that weird thing of you can, like, do stuff to make them really, really love you, then do stuff to really, really uh, make them really hate you. But neither meter goes down. <laughs> so you can become adored and despised at the same time. <laughs> It's full of little quirks like that. I mean, it's still a, a busted game, and I've been playing it on console vanilla, like not even modded. So it's interesting to see like really old school fucking glitches and bugs. Uh, but for the most part, it's just been a lot of fun playing it again. Great characters and just some really great fucking quests. 
really good quests. The the things they did with like the Nightkin and stuff in that game, where they sort of really made them sympathetic, like they did really well at that. There's that really nice one about the ghouls that are trying to get in rocket ships to go on some like oh i love that one journey to the far beyond like, it's really cute and the game's full of cute little like world buildy things like that so yeah i'm really enjoying it um playing it again i've been streaming it a bit very easy game to stream yes it is bethesda games in general i know obsidian made this but you know same engine and general layout any game in that vein is really easy streaming yeah i uh Every time I tell myself I'm going to play the game differently, but I never do. I put everything <laughs> yeah. into speech and repair well, yeah. and then do everything I can to fuck up the lesion um, and then typically go independent for the ending rather than side with anyone and probably going to end up doing the same thing. I mean, I've already started fucking the legion up. I've been traveling around with Boone, going to all their camps and just like slaughtering them. Oh, Boone's, Boone's the best. He's so great. Boone is pretty cool. Yeah. All the companions actually are really good. They're they're all really like diverse in terms of characterization and storyline and there's some really cute ones like EDE. I love the little eyebot. I liked um haven't met her in this run through, but the the Nightkin that's the grandma mm. is really cool. Arcade Ganon um was was really cool. Like one of the first glaring examples of a gay character in a game for me. Which is sad when you consider that even though it's an old game, it's not mega old. It's not that old. But, you know, it's one of the most memorable examples of a of a of an openly gay character who will out and out say it. Which, you know, as a queer person was always um, a big deal to me. I believe there's another character in there who's also um, gay or bi. Um, can't remember right now. But yeah, uh, I mean, no one listening needs me to tell them what their opinion of new vegas is no probably not either you like really love it or you think yes yeah, pretty good yeah I, and I don't i think those are the only two opinions yeah so. i don't know of anyone who could i'm sure there is someone yeah there's gotta be but i've certainly never in my life seen the opinion that new vegas is bad yeah i'd be very interested I don't know. If it was a, a rational... <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. If it was rationally written out. There, there, there you go. You have run into the rub there. That's my expectation of where we will have difficulty. Yeah. If, if, it could, if I could hear an argument that not at any point used the word woke, I would have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. New Vegas is good. Um, New Vegas. I have also been playing Fallout this week uh Gee, stream have. streaming fallout uh i yeah i mm. i got back into fallout 4 which is not a it's not a good game it, it, it okay no i really liked it when it came out i i loved it when it came out no i still love it that's the thing i fucking love this game but as it, it, <laughs> like if it if it were not called fallout right Right. <laughs> but it had all of this aesthetic and all of this stuff and this total complete disregard for the story and narrative that it shows. Just like the blatant <laughs> ignoring of anything relating to Fallout. Uh, if that were over, I'd be fine. I'd be a pig and shit. Like, uh, delightful. I. It is janky as shit. Of course it is. But because... 
the game is like the 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 fun of the game, the meat of the game for me is in the settlement system. Mm. The jankest part of the fun, like making that bending the workshop system to your will, uh, is so satisfying to me. Um, and this is the first time that I've played Fallout Four on PC. Uh, I it's it's also on Game Pass, but then I thought to myself, but if I get it on Game Pass, then I don't get all of the DLC stuff, which I have on my PlayStation Four version. Um, meanwhile, on Steam, I, I guess I I could I bought the whole thing for like ten bucks and change. <laughs> So that worked out fine. <laughs> um, and I've, I, instead of taking the approach that always sort of fucks me up in New Vegas of modding the shit out of it and then trying to play it, I started vanilla and I have been progressively adding mods as I think of things that might be interesting to experiment with. Ah. So I have removed well i've I've dramatically expanded the item cap in multiple of the settlements and have really started to transform them uh there's a limit to how much i'm willing to cheat right i if i knowingly find if i if i unknowingly find a glitch uh, that benefits me i'll just go ahead and exploit the shit out of that i don't mm -hmm. care um mod introduced or not so one of the mods that i got is for display shelves and i was trying to figure out where the fuck i can put this goddamn your special book to get it out of my inventory uh the your special book gives you a free point in any of special yeah uh and the main stats and so i put it on that shelf and i was like oh okay cool it fits there i'll just figure out where i'm gonna put one of these shelves and i pick it back up and it worked again <gasps> Mm. I was like, oh, hello. Mm. Well, I know what I'm doing for the next five minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, shit like that. But um, I've expanded the, I've, exp I've added in a bunch of items that normally would not be placeable that I can now place. And it's allowed me to get creative with my settlements. Uh, I always use the Red Rocket gas station as my personal base of operations. Uh, the place that I returned to with all of the junk to get it out of all of the other workshops so that all of the settlers will continue to be productive in my absence. Shit like that. Mm. And I have done some fun building with that. I got access uh, to one of the broken, uh, busted up, prefabricated store models. And now it's taking up like fully a quarter of the geographic space of the Red Rocket, but it's right next to it and it looks natural. And it's got mm -hmm. a, the bush separating it so that I could even set up a little shack on the outside of it for the shopkeeper that I have employed in that spot to be my dumping ground for all of my junk that I bring home and have no use for. It's great. I, I'm having so much fun. Somebody made solar power. I love it. It's cool. I just build the solar power thing and I don't I don't think about power anymore. And it raises happiness in my settlement. Great. Ah, it's so I, I do not give fuck one about this story. Um, I will say one of the things I like about Fallout 4 is I there that I give the, the writers credit. Maybe the only thing I will give the writers credit for is that they found one of the very few ways that you can introduce
introduce a character into the world of Fallout without depending on a player having some prior experience with Fallout. Right? Yes. Like, and, and maybe one of the most relatable that, that you have, because you got the Vault Dweller in one, well, he comes out of the vault, so he has no understanding of the outside world. Okay, cool, it works, I get it, right? And you got the Chosen One, Chosen One, lived entirely in this culture that the Vault Dweller set up, has no understanding of the outside, great, works, fine. Then you get, the, what's, the, the, what do you call the one from, uh, from three? What's the name of that one? Oh, the, is it the Lone Wanderer? Yeah, I, I think that might be. I think is it, it the might Lone be the Lone. Yeah, might be, might be. Uh, and then you know, okay, well that's that's a retread, but we get all of that stuff in the vault at the beginning to help contextualize it a little more, and that's interesting. At least they play with it a little bit. And then you know, the Lone Wanderer, yes, and New Vegas, like. The one thing I will shit on them a little bit for being lazy about is, oh, you've got amnesia. It's like, all right, okay. You know what? You put the work in everywhere else. I'm going to let you have amnesia. Hmm. But that's pretty, that's pretty weak sauce, Obsidian. So, but here you have Cryo. And that fits so well with the, you know, cultural milieu the pop culture stuff that they're drawing upon that 50s aesthetic it's kind of surprising that someone hadn't done it sooner but introducing that character who is pre-war and therefore we could even more closely identify with them and then being able to provide a reaction to how the people in this world interpret the relics of theirs all of that is rife for opportunity that is co almost completely not capitalized on because the dull game's a shit show with the writing um, and, and really just fails to capitalize on anything truly great about Fallout. But I still like it a lot. And I, you know, it's, I just don't, I don't care about the Fallout stuff. Not being yeah. respected. I, I just don't. It's just a very strange game. Yeah. It's, it's a, I thought it was a great game. I haven't played it in recent years, but um, I did very much enjoy it. But it, it wasn't Fallout. No, it's still very fun. It was, like you say, it was, it was a good game, but it was very weird when you look at it through the lens of, of it being a Fallout game. Yeah. Everything's a little off. Mm -hmm. stuff looks familiar but it's not quite right and there's yeah it's just a, a strange little game when you look back at it it sure is mm. sure is but i will continue playing it probably for a few weeks because i am so invested now in creating my own little story of this wasteland yeah it's fun huh. neat uh, I've not really played much else this week. It's been a fairly light week on new stuff. I've just been I've just been playing a bunch of Binding of Isaac, mm. having one of those weeks. Uh, but Steph, I think you've still got one or two things you've played. One or two things I can bust through both these at once. Yeah, because I got a massive amount to say about either one. For the first time since again, like maybe two thousand five, two thousand six. I forget when it came out, but like early two thousands. Uh, or late to whatever. For the first time since the 2000s, I played 
too human. Some games, I think, you know what? I was a little harsh on them. Perhaps I was a little harsh, and it's not as bad as I remember it being. And then there's too human. <laughs> it's still exactly, like, it's no better or worse it's not different it's exactly as bad as i remember it precisely impressively as bad as i remember it it is such a bad fucking game it is so bad utter gibberish to begin with the combat system is bizarre it's like stick flicking to do melee combat but not like sword swinging, not like a revengeance thing. It's like just keep, just keep flicking the stick to attack, and you'll just keep like whizzing across the floor to close in on enemies and hit them, and then knock them in the air, and then wait for them to fall and do it again. The game surrounds you with enemies. There's no balancing. This game was not balanced because when you die, you'll just respawn, and that seems to have been their answer to the game not being balanced. Was okay. Oh well. If you die, oh well. Hmm. Rather than lose progress, dying requires you to lose patience and a little bit of your soul because this is that game that has a 30-second respawn animation. Every time you die, which will be frequently, especially when the game respawns you right in front of the swarm of enemies that just took your health down in several seconds, you have to watch as a valkyrie flies down from the sky and daintily picks up your body and then flies back up and then you'll either be deposited surrounded by the enemies or really far away from the enemies and have to walk back neither option is good but then both options continue the game so they were never going to be good to fucking begin with were they <laughs> too human is so awful it's so awful and there are still people to this day, and I know because I tweeted about the game, who will fucking defend it. It's indefensible. It's ugly. It's mechanically baffling. Uh, certainly unsatisfying. It doesn't feel responsive because it doesn't feel like you moving the stick and the character swinging the thing like have any real mechanical connection to each other. I, I'm stunned at how badly balanced it is, and I am amazed still to this day by that respawn animation by the fact that half the game is spent just watching a valkyrie pick your corpse up and they thought that was good and dennis dyack went to war with like fucking neo gaffen places to defend the honor of that game that he put his reputation on the line and he's still so pissed off about it is that he really to this day i know he well he's pissed off about reactions to it because i know he slags me off well. when he gets a chance so yeah, that game destroyed Silicon Knights. I, I think I think there was a core of a good idea in there, right? I mean, look, you got a modernized sort of take on Norse mythology, but with fucking robots and shit. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But they just did nothing good with it. Nothing. There's nothing good in Too Human. Nothing. There's that core concept that could have been good, right. but is buried under incomprehensible gibberish dialogue. Um, really poorly, like, like the level design is bad. They're massive, long, empty corridors. 
interspersed with like if you if there's a locked door you can go into a little pool to go into the weird and just like find a rock and move it and then that'll open the door and then you'll leave that and come back go through the open door like it's just boring and when it's not boring it's exasperating and it's exasperating mostly because the action leads to boring things like the respawn animation it's indefensibly bad indefensibly bad yeah red faction armageddon was okay yeah that's a game that everyone shits on and it is a like fallout 4 only way less known and regarded and remembered it's a (laughs) weird one because it's nothing of of what the previous games were Mm -hmm. because you've got red faction one and two first person shooters that are about you know this sort of worker uprising You've got Red Faction Guerrilla, which had a lot of the Worker Uprising stuff, but was an open-world action game. Now, I didn't much care for Guerrilla. I've said before, I found a lot of it infuriating, and that might be why I didn't mind Armageddon so much, because Armageddon keeps the environmental destruction stuff. You know, you can knock over walls with a big hammer, but it takes away the Worker Uprising stuff and the open world stuff to be a linear game in which you shoot giant ants. Mm -hmm. And I 100% understand why Red Faction's fan base fucking loathes this game. But it is sort of all right. It's not that bad. It's a a bog standard third person shooter where you just run around shooting giant ants. It's it's funny because it kind of, kind of like Dead Space. In a way, in that, like, they had this kind of idea, and then the third one, EA, got all of its shit going involved in, and it was like, let's make this straightforward. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think there is a, a, that's a big part of it. And, you know, they they had a free roam mode thing that was then sold as DLC, so, you know. Yeah. That soured a lot of people as well. Um, But if you actually just look at the game itself, it's fine. And I realized that, like, part of the reason I was one of the more positive voices back in the day was Gorilla pissed me off so much. Like, so many of the missions were, like, infuriating, like, strict, weirdly strict time limits on things, a lot of traveling on empty Mars. Like, being open world for open world's sake is not that exciting to me. Mm. And when you set it on Mars, which is mostly just, like, red desert with some like boring mining colony town outpost things there's occasionally there's occasionally rocks and that is true there are some rocks uh and a couple of lampposts so yeah it's got that going for it yeah i mostly just found that game kind of annoying a lot of it was just driving in a really boring environment and then like knocking over a building and getting crushed to death because it landed on you i found the the more tightly paced levels of armageddon better Mm -hmm. more focused i'm not gonna go as far as to say it was a better game but i enjoyed it more it is better focused and yes it is weird that you're now fighting giant bugs (laughs) but it's fine it's fine fine i do understand I, i say this as you know i'm not a massive red faction fan i like the series well enough 
Um, I never even played two. I played the first one, liked it well enough, then played Gorilla and didn't like it. Um, so I realized I don't have the kind of, of um, regard for the series that others do that might have thought that it was a blasphemy, that it was a linear game about fighting giant ants. But, you know, it was fine. I do like the building. The fact that as well as destroying things, you can hold a button and it'll repair things as well. That was neat. But, yeah. I once had a little plastic giant ant. There was a, there was a little diorama. Well, not even a diorama. It was like a, a shitty plastic statue of the main character fighting one of the bugs. I don't have it now. But playing it, I just remembered I had that weird bit of video game tat that you could probably get for like 50p on eBay. And that's that. Yeah. Oh. Should we do some uh, do some newsy bits yeah, before we wrap up? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. We got the we got the trailer for that Mario movie we were talking about last <laughs> oh, week. Oh god, yeah. I thought about us the moment I saw that, and it was the yeah. exact opposite of what we thought it would be in terms of who was distracting and who was convincing. I mean, here here are my two thoughts I took away from that. Everything that wasn't Chris Pratt was genuinely pretty promising. Yeah. Chris Pratt does two distinct voices in this trailer. He does just Chris Pratt. No no voice, just Chris Pratt. And then if any of you have watched Bob's Burgers, toward the end of the trailer, he does briefly start to sound like Linda from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> like, I've seen people who've taken that audio and put a picture of Linda's face next to it, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's the voice you went for. And it's, he spent months on that. He spent months yep. learning to sound like Chris Pratt. And and you know what? Fair play to him for that. Yes, the Linder Belcher voice is how he normally sounds, actually. Oh, I see, I see. I've got them <laughs> the wrong way around in my head. Um, but like, you know, obvious gags about the, the voice aside, the opening bit of it seems kind of promising. It was amusing. I had a chuckle. It was, it was amusing. amusing. It was... It was more promising than I was. I was ready to really rip into it. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, this looks all right. Yeah, I thought the Koopa designs were good, like real good. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, there's that one Koopa sort of shaking in its shell. I was like, visually, this is some really nice, like, three D work for cartoonish designs and behaviors. Like, yeah, they got, they got it good. And like Jack Black sounded really good. Yeah. Yeah. We thought he'd be, you know, he'd be distracting and that, but like, unlike Chris Pratt, he's actually doing a voice for it. I mean, he sounds a lot like Jack Black still, but he put like clearly enough effort into have a bit of difference in it. And like, it's a good voice. Mm -hmm. It's enough of a difference to where I'm like, I'm not hearing Jack Black. I'm hearing like that version of Bowser. It's, it's, it's enough to do the job. And I think I think I was right in what I suggested would happen with the little clip we got of Charlie Day Luigi, where I'm like, yeah, you're just you're just Charlie Day. I do buy it though. Did we get Luigi? Pardon? Was there another clip of Luigi somewhere? Yeah, there was a there was a clip of Luigi where he's running away from some uh, of the the Koopa skeletons, and he what? slams in, uh, some doors behind him that. to get into a building. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, he he just sounds like Charlie Day, but it. It works. It's not distracting. It's it's Charlie Day Luigi. It's exactly. Was it in the main trailer or something? Different? It's in the main trailer. It's is after, it? How it's, did I miss that? I think it's after like Mario goes hopping off on the mushroom, sounding like Linda Belcher. Oh, I must not have just stuck to the end. Oh yeah, I think it's at the end. I'll give it a listen. All oh, right. Okay. It, it's just Charlie Day. Yeah. 
I mean, hard to tell from just noises, but like, it's Charlie Dye. He's gonna do the voice. It's it's an it's enough for me to go. You know what? I don't I don't hate that choice. I think I I see what you're doing with it. Yeah. It's not distract. It's not distracting in the way that Chris Pratt sounding like Chris Pratt is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So with that aside, let's get onto all the the the, the mountain of bullshit for this week because of course there is. So we got a little bit more information about the um the whole Disco Elysium story that we talked about last week where multiple people who had been working on a Disco Elysium sequel had been let go and there was a lot of unconsensually let go, like weird phrases like that. And we've had a bit more information. It's still pretty vague. According to Martin uh, Luiga, um, who was one of the co-founders of the studio, core members of the team were fired under false pretenses. I'm trying to find the uh, the full quote here. It happened late last year. They were fired on false pretenses. Uh, and then he goes on to explain that he can't disclose a lot of what he knows due to NDA situations. Uh, but he, he goes on... He's very pessimistic about the future of the studio and the series. I think ZAUM Studio in its current form will not be developing the sequel and then goes on to add he's unsure how many people who worked on the original game are still there at the studio. Mm-hmm. So again, it's still not a huge amount, but it's continuing grumbling that something went down and legally they're not allowed to detail exactly what went down, but it's not sounding great. Yeah, I can't say that I'm surprised that we're not getting more information. I expect that if this story gets told, it will be years from now. I mean, I wonder if it'll be like a lawsuit or pop up and that's when we'll hear stuff maybe or if it's going to be that kind of thing. You know, may it's it's possible. Yeah, it I I think I think it's probably equally likely if if a lawsuit doesn't come out, they will tell the story to someone at some point. Like, the NDA will expire or whatever. There'll be some statute of limitations that'll eventually pass, but... And this, it's too interesting a game for people to completely, totally, utterly forget about. Um, particularly yeah. as the, uh, the publisher intends to proceed. So, yeah, I, I'm curious... Uh, but I would not expect to hear a lot more. I, yeah. I, one thing that they did carry across in their statement was that they felt that the audience deserved to know that the people who made the game that they love aren't working on the new pro. And, and I think that's fair. I think it's not just fair, but like in an industry that wants us to think that logos and brands make games, not people, mm. like it's important to remember sometimes that just because a game's being made by a studio you love, that doesn't mean the actual people that were responsible for it are there. Right. Uh, And that goes for any game studio. And and I think it's especially important to note in a game like this, which is such a a landmark game with amazing writing that we just have not seen in another game before. I think it's very important to know that the specific people responsible for that aren't there. Yep. Yeah. I agree completely. So, I can't remember who talked about it last week, but for... Because I don't remember when things happen sometimes. We we got the story sometime last week that Overwatch 2 was going to require players to have 
mobile phone verification to play the game that specifically wouldn't work if they had pay-as-you-go mm-hmm. phones, only people with contracts, um, basically shutting shutting poor people out of getting to play the video game. And that story has evolved a bit over this week. It's been backpedaled a little bit in that if you are someone who played Overwatch 1, you don't need to go through this verification step, but everyone else still does, so they're still gatekeeping a bunch of people who don't have access to contract phones from playing. So I'm gonna now, here I get to play, I get to play Corporate Apologist. Uh, again, it's my favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing to do. The other side of this, yes, it is shutting out, um, people who lack the funds or credit rating to get a, con- uh, a contract phone. On the other side of it, it is also potentially locking out people who might try to use the system for money laundering purposes yeah. and, and things of that, which but is- But why a- isn't Blizzard locked out of it then? That's <laughs> what these companies do. But I do feel like there are are legitimate reasons to do this, and that are not straight. But it is one hundred percent a valid thing to bring up. I mean, you are correct, but also I'm gonna put it this way for a second. Hey, we've got a free to play game, a game that we only make money if you spend money in. Absolutely. Mm, we're not too worried if people who don't have money to spend can't play the game. They weren't gonna spend money anyway. On top of that. I, I think this this speaks to a pattern that, that Activision Blizzard has been sort of doing for a long time now, like wanting phone numbers, wanting to make sure that you're yeah. on certain like like plans to do it. Um, they had plans uh, many years ago to like have people's real names like publicly available on their like battle yeah. net accounts and things like that. Like when it comes to companies that want your personal details and don't just want them, but like want to make sure that like everyone knows them activision blizz has been doing that quite a bit and this is a company that also wants to like wanted to get its employees on a pregnancy tracker app and shit like that like yeah like the amount of personal information that blizzard wants to use its games to get from you yeah this is I a mean, pattern of behavior for them but by but by the same token like i i and i God, this is, I mean, this is the constant sort of push and pull that we have with regards to privacy and online systems and things like that, is that there are lots of ways that these systems get to be exploited for real harm on the basis of having anonymity available to people to use them. Well, this is where I'm in two minds about it. Like, because I, I've often had, like, I've, I've often had thoughts of, like, well, you know what? If anonymity fully dies on the internet, like it's gonna be the fault of the twats that exploited it to harm others. Sure. Like you know, I mean, that's one way. All of us talking have experiences of what anonymity on the internet has allowed people to do to others. Like we've all been harassed and then had all sorts of horrible shit like said and done. And part of me is always like, well, you know what? Fine, fuck it. Like, Lord knows, I'm public enough on the internet. Fuck it. Scorched earth root them out right but there are there are people more disadvantaged than us who still need that access exactly yeah and so right it's not it's not just a, a simple binary like yeah yes. i agree completely yeah and the main issue i have is not so much with although there are issues of, of protecting anonymity mm. but the other big issue for me is 
Activision Blizzard's the last fucking company that should be in charge of of what details are online and what aren't. Absolutely. I, 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 it'd be nice if there was some organization we could actually put faith in to handle that kind of data responsibly. But as far as I can see, it doesn't exist. So to pull this back to the the, the story itself, the, you, you mentioned a while back in this conversation, Steph, the, the, the idea that this is a recurrent thing. And I think that like that's more true than you maybe know. It, it's not caught nearly as much attention, but we got the news this week that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 will also have this same requirement ah. for all players. Forget the walk back of some people being grandfathered in, at least right now. You will need a specific kind of SIM card and to register your phone number, or you won't be able to play that either. And it really sounds like this is going to be the model going forward, at least for the time being, with Activision Blizzard online multiplayer games. And, like, I, I know I've been, like, the way I pitched this initially was like, ah, they're trying to stop poor people from playing, but, like, you know, I don't play Activision Blizzard's games anymore. No. But... If I let's say I did, let's say I wanted to play these games, let's say I was, you know, uh, someone who wanted to play them, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not poor, but for my own ability to manage money, the thing that works best for me is having a pay-as-you-go sim. I buy a second-hand phone at cost. I put a pay-as-you-go sim in. I pay for my amount of stuff I need every month. That works better for me. I think about it. I'm like. If I just couldn't play Activision Blizzard, like, if I couldn't review or play Activision Blizzard games anymore because I had the wrong kind of phone sim, like, it's a more, it, it's, like, I feel like it's important to note this affects a lot more people than you probably think about. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And it really seems like it's going to be the norm going forward for Activision Blizzard, so that's kind of fucking bullshit. And hopefully, you know, every other company with online multiplayer video games manages to have online multiplayer video games without this requirement. Well, that's just the thing. Like, what what they're yeah. saying it's for is bullshit. It's it's a lie. Like, I'm sure there is a case to be made, but that's not the reason. They've wanted personal data like this for, like, ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So that's that's the whole story. Uh, we got we got some. Oh, sorry, there is another there is another Overwatch two story this week. So let's get that done while we're here. Actually, news just came out by the way of another lawsuit. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, do you want to pop that in the group chat and we'll get to that in a minute? Uh, I just saw it on Twitter and it's it's. Did I close? I fucking closed it. Um. Uh. Oh, here we are. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay, cool. Um. So yeah, the other Overwatch two story, very quick one. Um. Overwatch 2 had an auto-purchase bug uh, the, other, the other week going on, uh, where players were accidentally making store purchases while using in-game chat. Oh, yeah. Basically, people who were typing on the on-screen keyboard in chat, the game hadn't properly locked the cursor from making interactions with the game, so they're just typing, and the game is moving cursors around and entering menus without them knowing. Jesus. And they're making real money purchases. This is a, a known issue that was brought to Bliz Activision Blizzard's attention. So he here's what happened. They explained the problem to Activision Blizzard uh, and asked for a refund on the purchase they did not intend to make that was made because of a bug in the game. Activision Blizzard refused to refund the in-game currency, insisting that all those unlocks are meant to be final. If you believe there was a problem with the game that caused this to happen, please be sure to provide feedback. <laughs> 
<laughs> the the hotfix has been fixed, but the the developers are refusing to refund people who the bug caused to spend real world money unintentionally. Wow, that's uh good customer service. That's that's bullshit. That'll surely get more people to want to you know plonk down money in your in game economy. Yeah. Cool. We will get in a second to the. Uh, okay, we're on Activision Blizzard. We'll do it now. Activision Blizzard's got another lawsuit. Uh, Steph's just popped the link in the chat. Yeah, it's um, basically a. Um, it's not that different from what we've heard before about like what attitudes are considered okay for management to have in that company. Yeah, was um, uh, an unnamed um, worker. Claims she was groped by a manager there who um, threatened to release revenge porn uh, when she spurned the advances. So, yep, she said, "No, I'm not interested." He went, "I'll revenge porn you." So that's, um, yep, yeah. Uh, the lawsuit demands the removal of um, head executive Robert Kotick. Uh, Bob, yeah, get rid of fucking Bobby. Get him out. Yeah. Also seeks damages against the ex-manager Miguel Vega. Yes. So. Yeah, we'll keep an eye open for that. Vega did leave the company September last year, probably as a. Res- I'm guessing he was one of the ones that vanished, knowing shit was gonna was coming. Like it, it's got the feel of that. There was a lot of them that vanished around that time. Uh so other bad treatment of people in video game companies. Let's talk about Quantic Lab. So Quantic Lab is a Romanian company that does uh, quality assurance, like QA testing, mm-hmm. as a third-party company for other developers. They came under some scrutiny um, this summer, back in June, when a video uplo- was uploaded on YouTube containing details of mismanagement and malpractice at the company while it was helping on uh, the development of Cyberpunk 2077. At the time, it was brushed off by the company's CEO. Stefan Sirikretsu at the time, but now we have more information. Um, There was a report by PC Gamer in which employees from Quantic Lab spoke up about the conditions at the company and their time working on Cyberpunk 2077. Several employees have claimed that management told them to avoid talking about how many years of QA experience they had when speaking to CD Projekt Red. (laughs) CD Projekt Red was not getting the level of experience they had allegedly paid for, and the sources said it led to the company raising concerns over the QA's underwhelming performance multiple times. So, here's the deal. It seems like higher-ups at Quantic Lab oversold how many QA staff they had and how experienced the QA staff were in order to get the contract working on Cyberpunk and then had a bunch of people who like were barely entry-level beginners at QA Oh no! that were being pitched as if they were experts at QA with years of experience and were barely managing to do the basics of the job, not because of anything they'd done wrong, but because they were inexperienced without proper leadership in teams to sort of help them through, being thrown on a project where they needed to be experts. <sighs> so that's a whole thing. Apparently, Quantic Lab's uh, QA staff accounted for about a third of QA staff on Cyberpunk. They struggled to fulfill basic obligations. People who worked in those QA teams state that they they reckon that Quantic Labs, and specifically the promises made by their higher-ups, 
are in no small part to blame for the catastrophic state of Cyberpunk 2077 when it launched. There is also incredibly high turnover rates at that QA at, at Quantic Lab. Lead testers were told to lie directly to clients about the size of QA teams. Holy shit. They experienced uh, harassment from managers. Uh, management would directly state that testing games was unskilled work. Huh. Oof. Others shared their low salary figures and how it was financially unfeasible to live near the, the, the offices of the company. Yeah. Uh, lots and lots of stories that basically boil down to working in that company absolutely killed my love for games, and it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one to add the li to the list of um, QA staff getting treated terribly, in this case by a company that wanted to get a bigger contract than it really should have done, and was willing to lie and throw its QA staff under the bus to get it. So yeah, go go read PC Gamers' like whole report. That's some um, yeah incredible audacity, Jesus! It really is. It certainly shines some light on the state that Cyberpunk launched in, at least in part. But what well, right? Like, and and not to you know. God, I, God damn it! I've got to. You gotta uh, do it. I know. I know. Not not to be kind to CD Projekt Red, which is itself seemingly a fucking cesspool. Yeah. But they, like, what were they going to do? What, were they going to tell people? Were they going to tell everyone that they got fucked over by this as their product is coming out and they need those fucking sales? Are they going to, you know, ruin any chance of an effective lawsuit that they might have against them for having yeah, done this and know. doing something? Like, there's so many reasons for them not to say anything and explain why this is this fucked up and use this as cover. But God, to be in that position and find this out and be like, Oh fuck me! What do we do? <laughs> like, oh god. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a whole that's a whole story of its own. Look out for probably more updates about that in future. And lastly, we've got a story that at least isn't terrible. We've got a we've got a not terrible thing to end on. Uh, just just a sort of interesting story. Uh, because of Microsoft's attempt to purchase Activision Blizzard. We have been learning things about the business that is Microsoft and Xbox's gaming division, and uh, thanks to Brazil's Administrative Council for Economic Defense, we got some interesting data about Microsoft's Xbox business, um, in particular about Game Pass and how much money it is making for Microsoft. According to the financial data that went through the uh, financial year ending January 2021, Xbox Game Pass uh, generated $2.9 billion in, uh, in revenue during one financial year. Huh. So about, about $3 billion in a year. That's, um, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So that's $3 billion out of... Microsoft's total yearly Xbox revenue was $16 billion, so that's about a fifth of Xbox's total revenue was Game Pass. Wow. A little under a f around a fifth. It was also um, nearly 30% of its, like, games revenue was just Game Pass. Like, if you take the, the hardware out of the picture, mm -hmm. nearly 30% of their game income w was Game Pass. Now... 
is that subscriptions only? Are we talking about only the subscriptions to Game Pass, or are we talking about the sum of purchases made through Game Pass? Like, how are they accounting for that? It is not broken down, clearly. So it is not clear if part of that is counting purchases, like discounted purchases made. Because Game Pass does that, doesn't it? You can buy certain games at a discount. Yeah, you do get a discount on any games that you purchase that are available in Game Pass. Yeah. But I don't know how it's... Because I'm pretty sure that that's not done through the Windows Store on PC. The whole system's so complicated, which means there's so many ways to cut up the numbers and try to make it seem... Oh, a way that you want, but okay. Sorry, I've 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 got a bit more of the data here. Sorry. It, the, okay, so the two point nine billion dollars is from console subscriptions, not including PC Game Pass subscriptions. Okay, so it doesn't include PC Game Pass, and it is from subscriptions apparently. But now, I mean, I don't even know what the tier level is anymore. But what percentage of Xbox Live multiplayer users constitute Game Pass subscribers? Or is that just what it is now? I think they are two separate subscriptions. Gosh, I'm so... I'm going to have to really dig into some of this because now I'm so curious. Yeah, I'm really curious about the data. Yeah, so the, the, the other stuff we got in, in in terms of that data, because like this number has gone up since... Then, mm-hmm. at the time when this financial year ended and they reported that that $2.9 billion number, they had 18 million console Game Pass subscribers. Uh, as of this year, the last official number is that they were up to 25 million subscribers. So that $2.9 billion has probably shot up about 50%. It's unclear what exactly that number contains, like... If someone buys DLC for a game that they got through Game Pass, right? Do, does do Game Pass Ultimate subscriptions, where it's it's regular and PC, does that count as a console subscription? There's a lot of muddiness around the number, mm-hmm. but it is one of the it's one of the clearest numbers we've had in terms of like getting a sense of how big of a deal this is for Microsoft. And I'm really not surprised to hear it's that big of a deal. Like they really hit the formula. Better than any of the other console makers on this. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, that's that's we did it. We did the news. We did the things. We did it. Nice, excellent. Well, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Just gonna quickly add that uh, Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier is closing its doors after just a little over a year. What a live service game that oh, yeah. ending in a year's time. Square Enix's second shutdown of a of a failed live service this year. <gasps> Color me surprised and shocked. Oh. It lasted a bit longer than Babylon's Fall, but yeah, just goes to show you Fuck Square Enix. I am so shocked and surprised. Square Enix can go fuck itself into a hole. Uh, But while it does that, uh, I think everyone listening would rather uh, find entertainment elsewhere. And you know what? I'm pretty sure, Laura, you'll be able to supply them with that. (gasps) Oh, yeah, probably. You can go check out all my stuff at Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, uh, all the places. Just Laura K Buzz. You'll find all the things I do. In terms of stuff I've got coming up, hey, there's still time to get a signed copy of Who Hunts the Whale. It's coming out on February 18th next year. You can pre-order it, get a get a signed copy. I wrote it with my wife. It's about about the video game industry. It's definitely satire and not in any way 
me writing a story to process the terror that is the video game industry. Definitely, definitely jokes and satire. Mm-hmm. What about you, Conrad? Oh, well, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with my cat, Potato Wand, at One-Eyed Potato on Instagram. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com. You can buy audiobooks that I make at conradreads.com. And you can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Uh, hi, hi. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, that will support this uh, this show you're listening to. It support, supports Jimquisition.com. Also supports the game reviews that we should be starting up. God, I need to get my own supply of ADHD meds to make this happen more. But I really enjoyed writing it, and that should be up this week. Hopefully, that's the start of us doing written game reviews again. As well as that, I stream. Finally getting back on the in the habit there with that. Uh, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. I typically stream Mondays and um, Wednesdays in the evening UK time. Uh, current wrestling dates are November 4th, True Grit in Leeds. November 12th, Newcastle, Avant-Garde. November 20th, uh, Resurgence, Leicester. Uh, we will have another date announced for um, Spectrum Wrestling coming soon. So I'm very excited uh, about that. Other than that, uh, do keep an eye on future Vampire Survivors updates, uh, where I will be having some um, lovely bestiary entries for you. Um, Until then, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.